Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchesh Gogas, the laws of inadvertent transgressions resulting in sin offerings, Pedic Shnei chapter 12. This is, paragraph-wise, one of the shorter or shortest chapters in the Rambam, but the paragraphs themselves are a little hefty. Two paragraphs. Aleph 1. Any transgression where one is obligated to bring a set sin offering when one violates it inadvertently, as studied above. What if the Supreme Court, known as the Sanhedrin, made a mistake in their halachic determination? They made a decision in error. And they declared that a particular act was permissible when in fact it wasn't. Whose mistake was it? The Sanhedrin. And the people at large erred because of their erroneous decision. And the people acted out in error. Why? Because the people rely upon the decision of the Sanhedrin. Okay, so we have a Sanhedrin who made a mistake. The people acted on that mistake. And then at a later point in time, the Bezin found out, they ascertained, whoops, they made a mistake. Whose mistake was it? The Bezin's mistake. The Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court. The people did nothing wrong. Well, they did, but it wasn't their fault. So there was an obligation upon the court to bring Korban Chatas, a sin offering, because they gave an erroneous halachic decision. This is interesting, because they themselves did nothing. They only ruled. The people did. When it comes to the court, we never look at what the court does or doesn't do. They rule. That's the key. They also, whether they follow their ruling or not, makes no difference. They ruled. They have this obligation only because of their ruling. What about the people who acted? Do they all have to bring sin offerings? No. They're exempt. Even though they're the ones that were the perps, they perpetrated. Because they relied on the court. Now, that we know that the court has an obligation and the people don't, what's the practical application of this sacrifice? How does it work? Spell it out. What is this offering? It depends what the sin was. If the sin was the biggie, what's the biggie? If their erroneous ruling was in connection with idolatry, where they ruled that something is not called idolatry, and in fact it turned out it was. For example, if there's a new, latest style idol worship, and it came before the court, is this prohibited idol worship or not? They erred and they said it's okay, and it wasn't. That's a classical example. But when they ruled, maybe they have to bring... And here, as the commentaries explain, they have to make sure that the following is brought. Par a bull as a burnt offering, besoyer and a goat, as a sin offering, mikol, shevet, shevet, from every one of the twelve tribes. There are twelve tribes, they make a collection. Everyone in the tribe has to participate, and twelve sets of these offerings are brought. And who manages this? The Sanhedrin. It doesn't come from the temple fund. It comes from the people. This is the sacrifice described in the portion of Shlach. It says, If by the eyes of the leadership, meaning by the leadership, this inadvertent transgression was committed, what is this? An erroneous ruling. From tradition we learn, that we speak of the inadvertent ruling of idol worship. It was prohibited and they ruled that it is permissible. What if it wasn't idolatry? It was one of the other transgressions which result in the cutting off of the soul. And they erred and they ruled erroneously. Again, we do a collection in every tribe. Maybe called Shevet every tribe brings par chatas a bull for sin offering. And this offering is described in Leviticus. The entire community of Israel will err. How does the entire community of Israel err? Because they did something ruled by the Sanhedrin. That if the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, erred as they ruled something with regard to something having to do with idolatry, maybe in Kalakal's name, the entire congregation brings 12 bulls as burnt offerings, and 12 goats as sin offerings, and they are burned. This is called They are treated in a unique way. Because their blood is brought inside the holy. This is commonly known as the goats of idol worship. But if the error of the Sanhedrin was concerning all other commandments, maybe they have to bring shame on the Twelve bulls, sin offerings. The heinous rubs again, they are burned. Whenever the blood is brought in the inside of the Holy Temple, it is burned. And the title of this offering is called the Bull of Concealment of the Community. Shenemar, Bikribu, Akol, the community shall bring. Call, 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 every community, every tribe is called the community, and every community is called the tribe. The verse in the Tanakh tells us that Yoshua stood up in the community of Judea, meaning Judea is a community of Judah. 
Whether all the Jewish people in Israel committed this transgression, by the mouth of the who ruled, the majority did. Even though they may be the majority of the Jewish people, but they are the minority of numbers of tribes, because there could be a lopsided count of population in tribes. Or the majority of tribes, but it's the minority of the Jewish people, maybe in communion, Kosh, and all the tribes bring one bull for every tribe. A bull and a goat for every tribe. This is interesting. Only the majority did it. But even those who didn't sin, the bring through those who did sin. Everybody has to participate. Furthermore, there's a unique scenario here. Even if only one tribe committed this transgression, but the Reva called that one tribe makes up the majority of the population of the Jewish people. How they call out the entire community of Israel, and the being brings shame on twelve bulls. Twelve bulls and twelve goats. Because majority is majority, even though in this lopsided population count, it's only one tribe, but it's the majority of Israel. The final paragraph in this chapter, paragraph two. Based in Shinastopic law, and what if the court was uncertain, unsure, in whether they erred in their ruling, or not? They did not err. There is no conditional guilt offering like there is by an, by an individual. <coughs> Only with certainty does the above apply. There is no conditional guilt offering. As it says, the sin offering will become known until it will be ascertained. And then they will be obligated to bring the offering. As will be explained. When does this apply? That the court is obligated. But all the individuals are exempt. When the ruling court is the big court, known as the court of 71, which we call the Supreme Court or the Sanhedrin. And the head of the Sanhedrin, the scholar, the chief scholar, will be there with them in this ruling. If the chief scholar will be in a convention in Mexico City during that time, that's something else. The chief scholar has to be present. And all of the members of the Sanhedrin should not just be members of the Sanhedrin, but they should all be licensed to rule Torah scholars who are card-carrying Musmochim, they have to be ordained as judges, and all of them make this error, the majority on this object, this item. They should specifically rule, they should say long to the people, it's perfectly okay, go ahead and do it, they should be clear. And all those who got this ruling from the court, they said to others, you may do it. And the entire people of the majority will follow their teaching. And those who did it will have committed an inadvertent transgression because of this court. And they will imagine that this ruling was by the laws of Torah. And they will rule to undo some of the Torah law and to observe some of the Torah law. And when they find out, they're going to find out the whole thing. In all of the above scenarios described, the court is culpable to manage those false sacrifices. The individuals are exempt. However, in Chosar, Echod, or Achas, we call Elu Hadrochim. If one of these details even is missing, in this case, the court is exempt from the offering. So who is culpable? Anybody who erred, and executed and did. Maybe Chatos Kabua, Al Shigos, he brings us that standard sin offering for his inadvertent transgression. End of chapter 12. Rambam, the Mishnah Torah, Hilcha Shigoga, is the laws of inadvertent transgressions resulting in sacrifices. Hey, chapter 13. We learned earlier extensively that if the court issues a ruling, which court? The Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. Then the Sanhedrin has to bring an offering via all 12 tribes. They make a collection from every tribe, and the Sanhedrin brings a unique offering for idolatry, a different kind of offering for any other transgression. And the people themselves, the individual violators, don't have to bring anything if it is the Supreme Court, and if it meets all the conditions that we talked about. But if it does not meet all the conditions, then the individual has the culpability and not the court. In chapter 13, he spells it out, Aleph, Ketzad, how does it work? In Choser, Achas, Mikola, if even one of the conditions are lacking, the court will be exempt. And the individual perpetrators will be culpable. For example, if the Supreme Court of Sanhedrin ruled, I guess this is the court of one of the tribes, so it would be like the state court, ruled that the fat of the stomach, which we know is forbidden, is permissible. The court made a mistake and ruled that all the fat of the stomach is permissible. And the people of that place consumed that fat by their word. That court is not liable. And everyone that ate, maybe individually brings a sin offering for his transgression. Why? Because it's not the Supreme Court, it's the state court, it's the local tribal court. 
So that's one example of not meeting a condition. Similarly speaking, if the Supreme Court ruled, meaning the Sanhedrin, that the blood that circulates through the heart of an animal is permissible, which of course is an erroneous ruling, blood is blood. But but the head of the yeshiva, the head scholar of the Sanhedrin was not there, which is a condition we learned about earlier, that you have to have the head scholar there. That's another scenario. Or one of the members of the Sanhedrin should have never been appointed because he doesn't meet the qualifications of a member of the Sanhedrin. What are the qualifications that one would not meet? Kigain, for example, if he was a convert, converts can do anything, in almost anything in Jewish law, but they cannot be members of the Supreme Court. An illegitimate child, a child born out of an adulterous situation or from two close relatives, this is a biblical mamzer, cannot be a member of the Sanhedrin. Or if somebody becomes very, very aged, very old, or someone never had children. These are scenarios where one's compassion is kind of limited. When a person reaches a very old age, he's a nervous guy and so on, or people who never had children, God forbid, they're not as compassionate as people who are parents. These are very nice people, but they should not be members of the Sanhedrin, and there are detailed laws in every one of these. We're just glossing over these conditions. Bottom line is, is that there was somebody in the Sanhedrin that shouldn't have been there. And the people followed the ruling. And they ate the blood of the heart. When they shouldn't have. But the court ruled it. The Supreme Court. In this case, because the Supreme Court was not what it should be, the court is not obligated to bring the special offering. Because they don't meet the requirements of a full court. And everyone, every individual who ate, maybe must bring a regular standard sin offering for his inadvertent act. Because he thought he was doing well. How do we know that one of the exceptions to this rule is that it may only be the Supreme Court and not, for example, a court of one of the tribes? How do we know? As it says, we call Adas Yisrael Yishu. If the entire community of Israel will commit inadvertent transgression of the game, etc. Meaning that the court has to be representative of the entire Jewish people. How do we know that every member of the Sanhedrin has to be fit for ruling? As it says, if this error came from the, quote, eyes, unquote, of the congregation, every member of the Sanhedrin has to be like eyes, meaning true leaders. Later it says, and the community will rule, just as in capital cases, community. Meaning the community of judges, that verse refers to a court of 23 judges. At least 10 of them will say guilty. So also, the community mentioned in this inadvertent transgression, they all have to be fit to be members of the Sanhedrin. If they ruled, and one of them knew that they made a mistake, one of the members of the Sanhedrin said, something is fishy here. And he said to them, tell you not, you guys are making a mistake. But those who said it's okay were the, by far the majority. And they went on and ruled that it's okay. But he warned them. Again, in this case, the court is not liable, it's not culpable, because their ruling is not a ruling, because somebody objected. Anybody who followed their ruling, is responsible as an individual to bring his own sin offering, because it's not considered a Sanhedrin ruling, because one guy objected. If the entire community of Israel will error, the entire Sanhedrin has to make that error. But here, one guy said, guys, you're wrong, he didn't make the error. Next scenario, one of the Sanhedrin was aware or a few of the Sanhedrin, but the minority knew that those who permitted this and this were in error, and they were silent. They said nothing. Being that they ruled, and there was no dissenting opinion, and the ruling went forth to the majority of the people because they did not verbally dissent. Here the court is culpable, is liable to bring the offering. And everybody who did by their word, is exempt. What about those who knew, but were silent? If they followed the ruling of those who ruled, they're also culpable. Because they did not connect to the best. They didn't rule. They didn't tell the people, you may do it. And the one who heard, when they finished, they heard it's permissible. And he went and did what he heard. Anybody who did it is obligated to bring his own set offering. Sin offering. The court is exempt. Because this particular guy or minority did not rule that they should do so. So also they did rule, and only the minority followed them. And the error was known. Again, the court is exempt. But those who did are culpable. As far as the people are concerned, they all have to bring their offering. We are now starting base. We're now starting paragraph two. What about the Sanhedrin themselves? Also, 
who followed their own teaching. We learned earlier that we need the majority of the Jewish people. The members of the Sanhedrin themselves do not count as part of the balance of the majority. The majority has to be outside the Sanhedrin, which means the Sanhedrin cannot count to tip the scale of majority. Also, what if the majority of the, of the residents of Israel followed this erroneous ruling? Even though the ones who actually did this were made up of one tribe, but they were the majority of the Jewish people, which means that the majority of the Jewish people were in one tribe. So also, another scenario, if most of the tribes did what they ruled, even though most of the tribes are the minority of the population, the court is culpable. You know, let's say in the United States, there's 50 states, but two states, New York and California, I don't know if they have the majority of people, but they have a lot of people. So you can have one or two states that can have a majority, theoretically, and then you can have a lot of states that can have a minority. And here he gives an example. What if the population of Eretz Yisrael of Israel was 601,000? This is an example. 601,000. And those who followed the erroneous ruling of this Supreme Court were 301,000. So it's a majority. But the fact is that all 301,000 are members of the tribe of Yehuda, which was always a very populous tribe, and in this case, the most populous tribe by far. Or, the other scenario, those who acted on the erroneous ruling of the Supreme Court were the constituent members of seven of the twelve tribes. Even though their entire total population is only 100,000 out of 600,000. Then, here, the court is liable. Why? Because one of the two conditions were met. Either the majority of the population or the majority of the tribal states. And everybody who does what they say to him is exempt. Now, do we also count the Jews in the diaspora? No. The Jews in the diaspora have no voice regarding this issue. Because the word kohol, community, does not apply for this purpose. Only to the members of the land of Israel, to the residents. And here the Rambam tells us something fascinating. As a rule, when we talk about 12 tribes, Menashe and Ephraim are two separate tribes, even though they're both the sons of Yosef. And Levi is not a tribe because they didn't get real estate, they didn't get property. For this purpose, the tribes of Menashe and Ephraim are not considered as two tribes for this situation. They are both considered one tribe, and this is very unusual, even though they receive two tribal portions in the division of Eretz Yisrael. For here, for this purpose, they're only considered one tribe. What if those who committed the transgression, or the majority at the time of the transgression, but they were the minority when they found out about the transgression, or they were the minority at the time of the transgression, and they were the majority when they found out, we're not concerned about the numbers when they found out, we're concerned about the numbers when they committed this transgression. The following scenario, what if the court ruled, with regard to fat, that it's permissible. And obviously, the fat was, permit, was, was forbidden. The court erroneously ruled. And the minority of the population followed their erroneous ruling. And then they found out that they sinned, and they regretted it and retracted. And then they ruled that this and this act of idol worship they thought erroneously was permissible, and that was their ruling. And then another minority followed their erroneous ruling. So you have one minority, one group, which was a minority, followed their erroneous ruling with regard to the fat. Another group, which was a minority, followed their erroneous ruling with regard to the idol worship. Now, separately, they were minority. But if you combine the two minorities, one who ate the fat to the one who worshipped the idol, for example, let's take the 601,000 example that the Rambam gave earlier, and you have 160,000 followed the erroneous ruling of the Rambam, and they ate fat when they shouldn't have, and 160,000 followed the erroneous ruling of the Sanhedrin, and they worshipped idols when they shouldn't. So you have 320,000, which is now more than here, because you're combining the two groups. Again, when the eaters are combined with the worshippers. They're now majority. We do say that these two groups combine, which is amazing. Furthermore, even though they found out in the middle, when the Supreme Court of Sanhedrin, which ruled, was the same Supreme Court, but if the Supreme Court of the Sanhedrin died, and therefore what happens when a member of the Sanhedrin dies? You replace him. What happens when another member dies? You replace him. There are always students around the circle, and you keep replacing. We learned this extensively in our Monday night to class in Sanhedrin, right here in this room. 
Yamad Achar, and then ultimately another Sanhedrin arose. Well, you know, they ruled it's not the same Sanhedrin, and Eilam Mitzarpan Leil, and certainly these two groups of transgressors cannot combine because the Sanhedrin is different. Hey, I feel the Eilam Mitzarpan Leil, even if the two courts, one having replaced the other, ruled on one item, to be like fat and fat, and they said the forbidden fat is permissible. And then the second Sanhedrin, which replaced them, said, forbidden fat is permissible, Edom, Midom, or blood and blood. Similarly speaking, if those who are inadvertently committing the transgression did not follow this ruling, and those who commit the transgression are, are liable. And here he gives an example. That it's permissible to eat all the fat in the stomach of an animal, which is not so. That was an erroneous ruling. <coughs> there was one of the people, not one of the Sanhedrin, one of the citizens. Shatou, he knew that this was wrong. He learned in Yeshiva, he was a Yeshiva, but he knew it was wrong. Also, he knew that there were certain fats in the stomach that are permissible, that are forbidden. Nevertheless, he says, what do I know? I'm just a simple guy from New Jersey. And he ate it because the Supreme Court said so. The Sanhedrin said so. They must know better. Because even though they knew that academically it was an error, they figured that it's a mitzvah to follow the teachings of the Sanhedrin, even though they're making a mistake. The Jewish people need to have discipline. The Sanhedrin says you follow, even though he knew it was wrong. And this individual only has to bring an individual offering because he was not part of the group. And he doesn't combine with the number. If he's the number that makes the difference, he doesn't count. When does this apply? If the fellow who knew, who was also the important number, to weigh the scales to the majority, if he was a scholar, a or he was a student who was able to rule on his own, he knew his stuff. But if he was a regular Joe, he was a regular guy, Amhoris means he was a person from the land, he was a farmer, he was an ignorant person. He just happened to know this, he happened to be in class that day. And he's a partner, he's exempt. Because the knowledge of an ignorant person is not really considered knowledge because he's not thoroughly knowledge. He happens to have a bit of knowledge, but he doesn't have a thorough background in knowledge. Therefore, he can combine with the population of those who erred. So also if he didn't know that they erred, and his intent was to eat permissible fat and forbidden fat, and he ate the fat of that stomach that they permitted. Because he ate it because of his own personal error, not because of this ruling. Again, he can't be counted as part of the number to make majority. To all of the nation, there has to be a state of inadvertent act for everyone. And his act was different. He thought he was eating shuman. He thought he was eating permissible with forbidden. He also relied on himself. He ate the fat of the stomach, which they ruled to permit. Not because of their ruling. Because in his mind it was permissible. He ruled for himself. So he has to bring a sacrifice as an individual. This is the ruling. Anybody who depends on the ruling of the court is exempt because the court will be offering the offerings as mentioned earlier. Assuming all other conditions are in place. Anybody who is culpable on his own. Does not and cannot combine the majority. The closing paragraph to this chapter. What if the court intentionally ruled incorrectly and permitted intentionally something that is forbidden? Which means that they intentionally and willfully caused the people to transgress. Terrible. The Asu Hakol Apiyam. And the people did, according to their ruling. Bishgoga. The people's actions were inadvertent. The Sanhedrin's ruling was intentional. They intentionally misled. The people didn't mean any harm. Because they were willful and intentional, the Sanhedrin here is exempt from this offering. Why? Because this offering is only brought when the Sanhedrin is making a mistake, not when they are intentionally violated. Because they are willfully and intentionally violated. And therefore, because they are exempt, every one of the perpetrators, by their ruling, must bring an individual offering. Because he doesn't have the court to cover for him. Because their ruling was intentional. So therefore, his inadvertent violation was an individual act. So that's that scenario. What if the court, the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court ruled inadvertently, they made a mistake, and the word got around, and everyone knew that they made a mistake. 
Everyone knew it was not appropriate to listen to them. They did what they ruled. They're both the court and the individuals are both exempt. Why is that? The court is exempt. Because the people did not act on their ruling. And everyone who did, is exempt from their own sacrifice. Because they acted willfully and intentionally, not inadvertently. They knew that the best made a mistake. That's not appropriate. End of chapter 13. Rambam. Mishnah Torah, Hilchei Shigogais, the laws of sacrifices concerning inadvertent transgressions, Pedic Arbaosa, chapter 14. Aleph 1, Bezdin Shishogagu, when the court, the Supreme Court, erred, the Sanhedrin, and they ruled, Laker to uproot, Guf, a basic body, a fundamental rule, Migufitera, of the fundamental laws of the Torah. We also call on, and the entire people acted, Hapihem, according to their instruction, Bezdin Pturim, then the court is exempt. But every one of the perpetrators is obligated to bring their own private standard sin offering. As it says, if something will be concealed from the court, but not the entire body of the law, here being that the entire body of the law was uprooted, then the court is not considered as if they erred, rather the individual must treat his action as the individual error of an individual. The general rule is that the court is never liable unless they issue a ruling to undo or nullify part of the law and to sustain and to uphold part of the law. What kind of law? Laws that are not obviously specified in Torah and explained. Only in that condition will the court be obligated then to bring an offering. And those who act according to this ruling will be exempt. But if this does not hold up, then the law is that the individual is responsible. Ketzad, for example... Shogagu, what if the court inadvertently ruled, when they ruled, they ruled that it's permissible to bow down to an idol. It's permissible to bow to idols. This was their error. Or they ruled that it's permissible to carry something from one domain to the other on the Shabbos. In the laws of Nida, the menstrual cycle, we learn that there's something called we learned it in great detail earlier, that a woman sees an emission of blood on one day, she has to observe a day of purity to offset that. And then, she becomes pure. What if the court ruled that it's okay and it's not an issue? All of the above are as if the court said, there is no Shabbos in the Torah. There is no idolatry in the Torah. Prohibition of idolatry. Or it's as if they ruled there is no menstrual cycle laws in the Torah. Because they ruled that it's simply permissible. Because they uprooted the entire body of the law. This or anything like it would not be considered forgetting a particular ruling. It would not be considered making an error in a particular ruling. It would simply be considered a major forgetfulness. He forgot the whole law. Therefore, therefore, the Bezdin is exempt from managing this whole sacrifice on behalf of the Jewish people. Everybody who perpetrates and violates this commandment based on their ruling, must bring a sin offering as an individual. However, if they made a mistake, when they ruled the Amru and they said, that only somebody who carries from one domain to the other is culpable. As it says, no man shall leave his domain on the day of Shabbos. Their erroneous ruling was, if somebody throws something from one domain to the other, I'll make sure somebody hands something from one domain to the other, they ruled erroneously, saying that that is permissible. Or they uprooted one of the fundamental labor violations of Shabbos. They ruled that it's not a labor. All of these would be culpable. If they made the error and they said, only when somebody bows down on the ground, extending his hands and feet fully, that is liability. That's the violation. That is the verse which tells us, you shall not bow to other gods, to another god. If somebody merely kneels to the ground, but did not fully extend his arms and his legs, they erroneously ruled and they said, this is permissible. This is the classical case of a court that would be liable for this offering. If somebody cohabitates with a woman who is observing this day of purity against the day of impurity, they said only if she sees blood during the day, there's the culpability. They erroneously rule and say that the Torah, using the word all the days, meant day, but they erroneously ruling ruled that if she saw at night, cohabitation is permissible. So also they instructed, they ruled and they said, we just learned this earlier, if someone's wife became suddenly 
She began menstruating in the middle of intimacy. One may separate from her without waiting, as we explained earlier. In these cases, the court is culpable. That only blood that comes forth from the animal at the moment of slaughtering, that's the kind of blood we're not allowed to eat. But if somebody eats, for example, the blood of the heart, uh, they're, they're, it's okay to eat the blood from the heart. That's what they ruled. This is a classical case of error of the best. Because all other similar errors. If this court, the Supreme Court, ruled erroneously as above, and remembering all the conditions we enumerated earlier, the majority of the congregation acted by their dictum, by their ruling, that's when they, the people, are exempt. And the court has to administer the sacrifice based upon the court's error, as outlined earlier. What if the scenario was that the court erroneously ruled that Shabbos was over. Why did they think Shabbos was over? Because the sun became concealed with cloud cover or what have you. Vidimo, and they thought, the demo they imagined, Shishokachama, maybe it was an eclipse, and they imagined, they thought erroneously that the sun set. And then, voila, the sun comes out shining. This is not considered, quote, an erroneous ruling, unquote. This is simply considered a mistake. Anybody who transgressed and committed violation on Shabbos because of their ruling that Shabbos is over, Chayyav is liable individually. But the court is exempt. A similar scenario in principle if the court issued an okay for a particular woman to remarry, because kosher witnesses came and testified that her husband died, so of course she's allowed to remarry. And then the husband shows up, and he says, Honey, I'm home. This is not considered a ruling. It's considered a mistake. Because obviously, the court did something wrong in investigation, in cross-examination of the witnesses, or what have you. And the woman and her second husband, must bring a sin offering because of their error as individuals. Any similar scenarios would have the same application. What if a court ruled inadvertently and they erred? And the whole thing slipped their mind. They forgot the essence of the substance of the sin. Even they know for sure that they sinned. They did something wrong, but they can't remember the details. Even though the people came and told them. Hey, what do you mean you don't remember? This was your ruling, loaded to us. Nevertheless, they didn't remember on their own. They're exempt. And those who acted by their ruling, are culpable, are liable. And they ascertained, it was known, their sin was known. Not that someone else should tell them, but it should be known by them. For example, and they permitted the fat on the stomach of the animal. And the majority of the people consumed it based upon their ruling. And then after they realized, they knew that they erred in their ruling, and that they inadvertently permitted something. Where if somebody had acted, Intentionally and done that, they would be liable for the cutting off of the soul. The Al and its inadvertent commission would require Khatas Kuas, that's in offering. They stopped and then they became uncertain. In whether they only permitted some of the fat or some of the blood, which in fact was not so, they permitted all of it. Maybe Khatas Kuas, anybody who ate because of their ruling, has to bring a set standards in offering. Hey, the final paragraph of this chapter, Bez and Shahidovich Goga, what if the court ruled inadvertently a ruling, and they found out? Their error, they, their error became known to them. Whether they already brought their atonement offering or not. Anyone who now acts according to their ruling, which spread forth to the majority of the community, being that the court now already knows. Maybe Oshem Tolly has to really bring a conditional guilt offering because the facts on the ground changed. What changed? The court now realized their error. So what does it have to do with the individual who did not know that? Because it's the responsibility of the individual to inquire always regarding matters that became revealed, newly revealed in the court. People should always hear the latest. And this person did not inquire. So the ruling is, it's as if he became uncertain whether he sinned or not because he should have inquired whether there are any new rulings or new information and he didn't. That's why he brings an Osham Tolia conditional guilt offering. Somebody was in the same city as the Supreme Court, as the Sanhedrin, and he had access. But if somebody saw the ruling, and went to another city, even though he acted after he knew, he's exempt. Because he depended upon them. Even though he acted after the court knew. 
And he actually showed because he didn't have the opportunity to inquire. Remember, this was before the internet. They couldn't send an email or a text. Furthermore, if somebody is rushing to get out on time, even though they didn't leave the city yet, but he was rushing, he had no time to inquire anything, and he acted by their ruling. Even after they knew it, he's a pocket, he is exempt. End of chapter 14.